Hello and welcome to ADHD Her Way, the podcast where women gather to explore the real, raw and often chaotic world of navigating life with ADHD. I'm Johanna, a developmental psychologist, mother and someone who's walking the ADHD journey right alongside you. Before we jump into today's episode, I bet you might forget later. So why not hit pause right now? Subscribe and leave me a five star rating. It's a small step that helps us reach more wonderful women in need of this information. Today, we're focusing on a crucial topic that often overlooks symptoms of ADHD in females. While ADHD in boys may be more widely recognized, girls and women with ADHD frequently slip through the cracks, as we know, due to less visible yet very impactful symptoms. Now, I'll also finish the episode with a short list of questions that you may feel is helpful in actually discerning if you as a female may be struggling with ADHD. Now, ADHD manifests differently in females with symptoms that can be subtle, misattributed to personality traits, or other conditions. So today, what we'll do is zone in on those symptoms, what they look like, pulling directly from some comprehensive studies. Now, overall, studies suggest that some of the consequences of ADHD in females can include higher dropout rates, underachievement in academics, poor social relationships, bullying, or friendships. They may end up in domestic violence relationships more likely, diminished self-esteem, unplanned pregnancies, and comorbid disorders, which are all of notable concern. They also face a greater likelihood of accidents and mortality than the general population. So that's all pretty problematic and, and really unfortunate outcomes for those with ADHD. Unlike the more observable hyperactivity often seen in males, females with ADHD are actually more likely to exhibit inattentive and internalized symptoms, as we probably know. This might look like difficulty maintaining focus, especially in noisy or busy environments, trouble following detailed instructions, a lack of organizations, feeling overwhelmed, appearing unmotivated, frequently losing items, needing more tasks and activities, easily overwhelmed. These challenges can maybe look like carelessness. Um, being scatterbrained, and then actually the uh, masking of um, underlying um, ADHD as well. Compared with males with ADHD, comorbidities with internalizing disorders, emotional problems, anxiety, depression, they're more rep- often reported in females. The less overt presentation of ADHD in girls and women may mask the underlying condition due to females not meeting those stereotypical expectations of ADHD behavior. So instead, females may actually be more likely to attract a primary diagnosis of those internalizing disorders like anxiety and depression or personality disorders in turn delaying diagnosis and appropriate treatment. So it could also be that they may be misdiagnosed as bipolar or borderline instead of ADHD, when in fact maybe there's a comorbidity or it's actually a misdiagnosis. Emotional dysregulation is a significant marker of ADHD in females. It may present as heightened emotional sensitivity, mood swings, and intense reactions to seemingly minor events. So that's zero to 100 feeling you may kind of recognize. These symptoms can be misconstrued as hormonal or personality driven rather than actually being a recognized part of ADHD. Other social challenges might also appear. So navigating social situations can be particularly challenging for females with ADHD. So they might have more difficulty picking up on social cues. They may feel overwhelmed in group settings or struggle with maintaining friendships. This can lead often to feelings of isolation or feeling misunderstood, further complicating the picture of ADHD. 
kind of that feeling of being on the outer end and lacking that sense of belonging, being maybe more of a floater in between groups. I certainly can relate to that feeling. And I have heard that kind of similar narrative from many around. Now, RSD is the other thing that we recognize is not necessarily diagnostic, however, is so often talked about and definitely plays a key feature as part of ADHD for women. Now, the interplay between RSD and, and ADHD in females can be particularly challenging. It's probably one of the ones that most females would say is the worst part of having ADHD is how much they struggle with RSD or rejection-sensitive dysphoria. It's described as the intense emotional pain and discomfort triggered by the perception of rejection and failure. So the symptoms of ADHD, such as forgetfulness or difficulty following through with tasks, can often lead to a situation where criticism or rejection is much more likely. This in turn triggers that RSD, creating a cycle of anxiety and avoidance. So procrastinating on things. So for instance, a girl might turn in her homework at school out of fear it's not perfect, leading to a cycle of avoidance and anxiety about schoolwork and criticism. It might it can also appear as a sudden mood swings in response to perceived rejection, even if that rejection is not outwardly apparent to others. For many women and girls with ADHD, RSD means living in a constant state of alert where every interaction has the potential of causing significant emotional pain. So many can relate to that feeling of emotional hangover as a result of having had some kind of social mistake, some kind of altercation or conflict where they've walked away feeling really overwhelmed by that particular social situation and are now worried about the fallout of whatever has occurred in that they've perceived. And that can sometimes go on for days or sometimes even weeks, you know, and sometimes people even dread, like kind of bring up difficulties that they experience even years, years prior or as a young child and that accumulation of different minor incidents but feel very heavy or we might may call them little T traumas maybe that accumulation of actually many moments along the way that results in that feeling of constant rejection and fear around letting people down and things like that. Now often the manifestation of ADHD symptoms in females becomes more apparent during pivotal social or educational transitions. So biases from educators and parents may actually influence the likelihood of females being referred for ADHD evaluation or assessment in childhood. So girls with ADHD may be more likely to be overlooked and their symptoms um, may be misinterpreted. So like especially for those in highly structured environments, for example, or those receiving a lots of high level of support and who have developed strategies to really heavily mask and overcompensate those difficulties. So that can look like your typical, I guess, girl that goes under the radar in school, is quiet and has a lot of support from their household or from the teacher. So it kind of masks, is maybe a kind of typical type that is quite perfectionistic and a bit of a people pleaser to kind of mask the difficulties um, that they're actually experiencing. So they may be the type that actually are the teacher's pet, for instance, and go like, un, you know, do not show up as the one struggling because they have a good ability to be very in tuned to the teacher and what their needs are. I guess support the teacher to maybe hide the fact that they're actually struggling and maybe the first to jump up to kind of 
help out with handing things out as a way of kind of procrastinating on getting started, um, if you understand what I mean by that. Now, an increased functional demand on transition to secondary school, the planning ahead, organizing work and juggling assignments may actually lead to the girls feeling very overwhelmed. This may have an impact on self-esteem and results in um, learner anxiety and perfectionism in an attempt to compensate. Periods of transition may therefore be the time that the unmasking unidentified ADHD is actually exposed because of the exacerbation of um, symptoms as well, together with the development of maybe more internalizing problems. This then leads to young women feeling much more vulnerable and their environmental changes actually often occur at a time when girls undergo changes in their physiological and sexual maturation. So this is where that kind of influx of hormones happens as well. Their menstrual cycle, it may also happen again later in pregnancy, menopause, which can really intensify the ADHD symptoms, hence why maybe sometimes that is maybe when it's more likely to be picked up as well. So it's often the case that females may only recognize their challenges as they age, actually prompting them to often self-refer as opposed to be referred by parents or educators, like that happens with, you know, boys, young boys, disruptive in class, etc., Perhaps, you know, for women, it's more likely the watching of TikTok videos and learning about ADHD through other means, or if a sibling gets diagnosed or other family member that actually triggers that referral. Females with ADHD often experience comorbid conditions that are more interceptive, such as internalizing disorders, such as anxiety and depression, as I said. Although females with ADHD can exhibit externalizing behaviors like oppositional defiant disorder at times in early um, earlier childhood, these are less frequent than in the male counterparts. So hyperactive and impulsive symptoms may actually be more likely to be associated with, for instance, self-harming behaviors and kind of other um, disorders that may be presenting different to those it would in males. Females with ADHD might develop more compensatory strategies that conceal their struggles, um, potentially delaying the diagnosis and support. So this can include the overcompensating and, you know, that lack of self-control through perfectionism in certain tasks or areas or developing highly structured routines to manage day-to-day life. While these strategies might mask the ADHD symptoms, they can also lead to significant stress and anxiety. So this is maybe where you see more often that those women have a very kind of highly strung kind of traits and may actually appear as though they're fine on the surface but are a mess on the inside, if you understand where I'm going with this. So they may be the types to burn themselves out because they so heavily overcompensating for what they feel are challenges and they so de- desperately want to, I guess, hide the difficulty they may be experiencing at school, at work, in social relationships. So that is maybe where that overwhelm and burnout tends to happen, which, by the way, I have a guide on if you do want to download it. Now, to deal with the emotional distress, social exclusion or rejection, Some turn to maladaptive coping mechanisms like alcohol or cannabis use. Therefore, the risk of substance use disorders is higher in ADHD women. So there's some various um, studies that have been done. A meta-analysis of 12 studies identified increased risk of all eating disorder um, syndromes, um, including bulimia nervosa, anorexia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. 
amongst individuals with ADHD. There's other reports also of more somatic symptoms such as pain and fatigue, which is also much more common in ADHD in females. Things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. Some other chronic health conditions can also include things like um, PMDD, so um, and other kind of um, menstrual kind of conditions as well. So they're much more likely to happen for women with ADHD, unfortunately. Now, other comorbidities important to note are learning difficulties such as dyslexia, which are much more likely to be diagnosed in ADHD. And data also suggests that something like about 50% of ADHDers are also autistic. Now, listeners have asked whether there is a symptoms list more specifically for women and girls. So I will typically be curious around some of the following types of question in my own practice, which is inspired by those that you can also find on the Attitude Mag website, which I just want to preface are not diagnostic. So they may be helpful amongst other information to decide whether proceeding with further assessment is valid but I would still recommend you do see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or, or pediatrician if it were to be a child because that is important in terms of an actual diagnostic process. It is hard to discern what at times, you know, kind of you are managing. So that is why it's important for those reasons. But here's the list. So are you hesitant to invite people over to your house because of the mess? Do you feel like you're pretending to be normal, but deep down, feel like you're an imposter. Now, normal, I'll put in quotation marks. Do you start the day with intentions to get organized but end up feeling really quite defeated? Are you often labeled as lazy or forgetful? Do you feel hopeless about reaching your potential and achieving your goals? Do you believe you have greater ideas but struggle to organize or act on them? Do you feel perplexed by how others are possibly maintaining such consistent, orderly lives? Do you experience a midday midday shutdown, feeling quite overwhelmed? Are you unable to block out sounds and distractions that others seem unaffected by? Do you feel like life is chaotic and demands are impossible to meet? Do you observe others with similar intelligence and education that are actually surpassing you in life? And do you do additional requests at the end of the day push you over the emotional edge? Now, recognizing these symptoms, these traits, and being aware of comorbidities that are that especially females face can be the first step towards getting appropriate care and support, right? If it's you or someone you know exhibiting these signs, encourage them to maybe learn more about what is happening, seeking an evaluation from a healthcare professional who's knowledgeable about ADHD in females. Early diagnosis and intervention can make a world of difference in managing ADHD and improving quality of life. Now, I will put the rest of the information in the show notes in terms of where you can go to get more information. Please reach out if you have any questions. I love you for you to engage on social media. Send me an email. Join my newsletter. Thank you so much for tuning in again in today's episode. And I look forward to sharing some exciting interviews coming up, including ones on alcohol and ADHD and eating disorders and ADHD and also relationship and ADHD. So, so many great episodes are coming up. I look forward to those eating disorders being next in line. So stay tuned for that and I will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe, 
rate and follow us on Instagram at ADHDherway and share your thoughts. We'll see you back here for your weekly dose of dopamine. Bye now.